Well, guys, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 19. And then while you do that, find and hold a place in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Acts 19, but hold a place in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. This morning, we're continuing our study through the book of Acts. We're actually going to be revisiting some things we've looked at in chapter 19, but doing that this morning through the lens of something that Paul shares elsewhere, an, an added perspective he gives about what God was doing in the city of Ephesus in his time there in his third missionary journey uh, in a study I've titled this morning, A Great and Effective Door. Our main text is going to be Acts 19, verses 21 through 23, and then also 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9. And the reason we're not just kind of trucking along right through into chapter 20 today is because as I I was studying and preparing last week for our worship service and our time in God's Word last Sunday, I came across a a passage of Scripture that I I didn't feel like I could really do justice to in all the verses that we were going to be covering last week, because if you were here, you know that we barely made it through that 20 or so verses. It was like one of those ones where it's like, is Jared going to make it or are we going to be here for three hours? Um, but we did it. And, uh, but really, you know, that, that passage really stuck in my heart. I, I put it aside into a note in my phone. I wouldn't forget about it. Uh, and for us to kind of look at this morning, but it's, it's a, there's a perspective in that passage that I really believe is, is something that God wants us to pause and reflect on in our study today. And my, my hope and my prayer is that we'll be encouraged and strengthened and equipped by this perspective that we're going to see in the Apostle Paul and that his perspective of what God was doing with him in Ephesus, in spite of all of the opposition that he faced, that that perspective would impact and influence our perspective on our present circumstances, on on where God has us, on who he's placed around and in front of us, and and really prepare us to have the right perspective towards what we're going to face in the future. And so before we look at that passage, I want us to read Acts 19 verses 21 through 23 as sort of the starting point for our study. And so Acts 19, beginning in verse 21 Uh, we read this. It says, when these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in the spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. So he sent into Macedonia two of those who ministered to him, Timothy and Erastus, but he himself stayed in Asia for a time. And about that time, there arose a great commotion about the way. We covered these verses last week, but these verses are, are sort of a bridge that, that helps connect two of the major elements of Paul's time of ministry in the city of Ephesus. Verse 21, connecting us to the prior verses, which uh, we see connects us to the radical and powerful work that God was doing in the city of Ephesus. The unusual miracles with people being healed and delivered through aprons and handkerchiefs that have been brought 
possibly even stolen from the Apostle Paul when he wasn't looking as he was trying to work in his tent-making business. Things that God was working through Paul's life and even articles of clothing of his. Also connecting us to the awe and revival that was taking place after the botched exorcism attempt of the seven sons of Siva. How people heard what had happened the fear that fell upon them all because of that situation and how through that the name of the Lord Jesus was being magnified, but also how people were coming to faith in Jesus through that. Started confessing about the occult practices that they had been a part of, renouncing those things and then repenting of those things and going as far as burning all their magic books publicly and through all of this, seeing that the word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing in Ephesus. But then verse 23 connects us to the radical hostility and opposition that took place in Ephesus as as Jesus and his gospel became a threat to the financial prosperity of the idol makers in that city and, and their attempt in the following verses, to polarize the city against Paul and the other Christians and their message, stirring up this huge mob and creating a a riot in the city. But the reason I said that these verses are sort of a bridge that helps connect, you know, two of the major elements of Paul's time in ministry in Ephesus is that Paul's time in Ephesus was really characterized by great and effective open doors and by many adversaries. These two things, great and effective open doors and many adversaries. And we've seen throughout this chapter how great those open doors were. We saw that when he first gets to Ephesus that he meets these 12 disciples who were lacking in a lot of sort of spiritual knowledge about things that the Lord would have for them, especially in regards to the present working of the Holy Spirit of God in the life of believers and how God opened this door for Paul to be used in such a way where where God would make him this source of equipping and a a source in a way as he prayed for them, for them to be filled with the Spirit of God. How radically transformed these men would have been as, as this open door was presented to Paul. Some of us, you know, may look at something like that and we come along a group of people and we're talking to them and and we might just think afterwards, wow, that was pretty cool. What we might not come away with was, wow, God, you really opened that door. You, You gave this to me. There was this effectiveness that you brought. We may not, we may, but we may not come away with that with with instantly realizing how God's hand was at work in something. Or the miracles that happened. The, the way that these Jewish exorcists were so stirred, even though it was sort of a, 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 a foreign thing for them. Jesus wasn't someone that they knew personally. It was the Jesus that Paul preached that they then went and tried to exorcise the demon out of this man. And he leapt upon them after saying, I don't know you. I know Paul and I know Jesus. I don't know you, man. But seeing how through that, God opened a door for the name of Jesus to be magnified and 
And the, the, the way that people were being so convicted by the Spirit of God to, by the, by the stirring of the Spirit to say, you know what, there's stuff in my life that I've been leaving that shouldn't be there and, and they're coming and confessing those things openly and then burning books that would have cost them so much of their livelihood to even purchase in the first place. These were things that God was doing. God was bringing about. God was opening these opportunities. But it wasn't without adversaries. It wasn't without conflict. It wasn't without opposition. And I think for us, as we consider some of the things that we face in life, we could see sort of these two major elements at times that God will open doors, but then there's this other aspect, this other element where there's, there's conflict, there's difficulty, there's hardship, there's, there's trials. And sometimes the, the, the open doors sort of get clouded by the difficulty, by the opposition. We have a hard time seeing how God's opening something because what ends up looming over that whole thing is this this difficulty, that's, that's something we don't want to have to step through. You know, sometimes God opens a door for us, and as we look through that door, we're seeing all the obstacles that are going to be on the other side. My wife had said to me the other day, Jared, you really should try to, you should try to like come up with some illustrations and things some more, like try to incorporate those. I was like, that's great. I wish I, if I think of them, I will. And then I thought about, man, it would be really cool to bring like just a door frame with the door. But then I realized I don't have one and I don't know of anyone that would have one. And I was like, well, I can just talk about how I would have liked to have one. (laughs) Picture in your mind, a door here to my right, your left. Uh, No, but you know, when we think about sort of these, this open door sort of thing, sometimes we will see it. Sometimes our perspective is there where we can see what God's doing in something. And, but at the same time as we're seeing how God's present in an opportunity, we're, we're immediately faced with something that we know is gonna be really difficult in it. And I don't know about you, but it, you know when we get to those sort of places, it can be easy to go, I think the enemy opened that. You know, we're looking at all the difficulty. We want to kind of like, we want to make it something else. Well, like, I don't really, I mean, God wouldn't open that and then have it be so hard. There wouldn't be so many challenges. There wouldn't be so much conflict. There wouldn't be so much opposition if it was from the Lord, right? I mean, when it's from the Lord, everything should be gravy. But then we forget about all of the lives of all of the apostles, all the opportunities that God ever presented to them. How many things for them were just so smooth and nothing ever bad ever happened? Never. Maybe you've heard the expression before, smooth seas never produced a skillful sailor. How do we learn how to overcome opposition? How do we learn how to embrace the open doors that God has in spite of opposition? 
We learn by doing it. We learn by, by pressing through into the opposition regardless of it being present because we understand something in those moments that if God's opening something, he's going to be with us no matter what's on the other side. And I know some of you this morning are wrestling with if something's an open door or a closed door and there's decisions to be made and you already know that there's going to be hard things on the other side if you were to go through it. But again, I, I, I pray that this morning we, we're encouraged. We're encouraged, we're strengthened, we're equipped to have the right kind of perspective to be able to see the open doors and embrace them in spite of whatever difficulty might come along with it, whatever kind of opposition. But again, we, we get a different sort of perspective that we don't see here in Acts 19 that, that Paul gives us when he's writing to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 16. I had you turn there already, but turn over there, 1 Corinthians 16. We're going to start reading in verse 5, but really our focus is going to be on verse 9. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 5. It says, Now I will come to you, when I pass through Macedonia, for I am passing through Macedonia. And it may be that, while, that, that I will remain or even spend the winter with you, that you may send me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not wish to see you now on the way, but I hope to stay a while with you if the Lord permits. But I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost. Verse 9, for a great an effective door has opened to me and there are many adversaries. Remember in those verses of Acts 19 that we looked at that Paul had purposed in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia. That's Northern Greece and then heading down into Southern Greece where Corinth was located. And, and here in 1 Corinthians 16, he talks about his desire to pass through Macedonia and then spend time with the believers in Corinth. But remember also in our verses of Acts 19 that Paul had sent Timothy and Erastus ahead of him, but he himself had remained for a time in Ephesus, making a total of three years that he spent in that city ministering to the people there. But it's, it's in this passage of 1 Corinthians 16 that we see why he stayed so long in Ephesus, the longest he'd stayed in any one city during his missionary journeys. And in explaining why he stayed so long, we, we get this perspective from Paul of his time and the things that he went through there in Ephesus in verse nine. He tarried, he remained, he stayed because as he said in verse nine, a great and effective door has been opened to me and there are, many adversaries. And the interesting thing is that Paul wrote this before the riot that took place, which we looked at in the latter part of Acts chapter 19 last week. As Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, as he considered what had happened up to that point in Ephesus, he saw that there were open doors and many adversaries. And this perspective he had is powerful, and it's one I want us to, 
reflect on and seek to learn from. Paul didn't stay in Ephesus because it was easy to stay. It wasn't because everything just went so smoothly. It wasn't because it was free of opposition and persecution and danger. No, he stayed because God clearly had presented open doors for him to effectively minister in that city. And this speaks volumes about the kind of eternal, heavenly, sort of kingdom-minded perspective that Paul had as he went through life. It would take that kind of perspective to be able to see beyond the rampant occult and demonic activity in the city, the, the deeply rooted stronghold of idolatry in this city, to not just focus on the negatives, the adversaries, the, the opposition, the spiritual warfare that must have been heavily present there to be able to see beyond those things to what God could do, to what God wanted to do, to, to what God was doing, the, the, the doors of opportunity he was opening and was presenting in the midst of the dark spiritual climate that Paul found himself surrounded with. And so for us, with the dark spiritual climate that we find ourselves surrounded with today. You and I need to have an eternal, heavenly, kingdom sort of perspective as we walk through this life too. So that we can see beyond the adversaries and opposition and difficulty and see the open doors and the work that God wants us to join him in in spite of the opposition that comes our way. Because it's gonna come. You know, the first thing we learn from Paul's perspective here in, in what he says in 1 Corinthians 16, 9 is that the great and effective doors were opened to him. So it wasn't Paul who was opening them. You know, just as God was the one who had worked unusual miracles through the hands of Paul, it was God who was the one opening the doors bringing about the opportunities for Paul to be able to effectively minister, to be able to point others to Jesus Christ. And this tells us that as Paul's eyes were on Jesus, as he walked with Jesus, as he denied self and picked up his cross and followed after Jesus each and every day, that Jesus made those open doors, those opportunities clear, clear to Paul so that he could see it was the Lord doing it and could get on board with what the Lord was doing. And for us, seeing that a door, an opportunity has been opened by the Lord requires us to have our eyes off of ourselves. To not be self or inward focused have our eyes on the Lord so we can be tuned in to what he's doing and what he's wanting to do. But it also requires us to have the right kind of lens in this life, the right kind of biblical worldview and perspective in how we see those doors, those opportunities. 
that we would have clarity regarding physical and temporal things, able to see beyond those things because we're viewing them through, through an eternal or heavenly perspective. How many of you guys have ever been reluctant to step through sort of an opportunity or an open door from the Lord because what you're seeing on the surface is something that just seems like, like this is just crazy. Like, why would I ever want to be a part of this? Maybe for you, it's more of like those feelings of inadequacy about something. Like, why would God ever want me to do that? Like, he knows I'm not good at speaking. Why would he ever want me to speak to anybody? He knows I'm not naturally gifted in this area. Why would he want, he, why would he put me in a situation where I'm faced with something that I don't even have sort of the natural giftings to be able to accomplish that task. But I would just ask us this morning, if God were to only call us to things that we were naturally able to carry out, what kind of supernatural living are we actually doing? God's called me to a lot of things that I don't feel naturally gifted or naturally good at. Because he knows that when he puts those things before me, when he put those things before you, when he presents those things in front of us, and he knows that we don't have it in us to just be able to tackle that thing, to take that thing on, that you and I are going to be faced with a, a, a decision a decision to become dependent, a decision to become desperate, a decision to turn to the Lord in a a posture of, God, what are you doing? And why would you call me this? But Lord, if you're calling me to this, then you're gonna have to give me what I'm gonna need to do the thing that you're putting before me to do. When we see the life of Peter throughout the gospel accounts, accounts, we wouldn't naturally come to the conclusion that he would be the spokesman for the early church. The only thing that we would come away with in all the different situations, all the different conversations between him and Jesus is this guy should not be the one representing. He shouldn't be the one that's speaking for Jesus because... I mean, he was the guy that Jesus called Satan, right? Like, get behind me, Satan. And yet, the Lord was able to do something in Peter's life as Peter was just surrendered to the Lord. As he saw opportunities that God gave him and then he had the Lord empower him, the Lord fill him to do the things that the Lord was calling him to do. And the same is true for us. He's not called us to just stay in a place of just natural sort of living. That's what every unredeemed person is able to do. No, he's called us to a different sort of life. A life that makes an eternal difference. 
And in order to be people who make an eternal impact, we need our eternal God. Yes, exactly. That guy is pumped on the Lord this morning. (laughs) To give us what we need. To make us people that are able to live in a way where Jesus is seen in our lives. No matter how dark things get spiritually, know that God never stops working. That his desire to save people never dulls. That his ability to save and transform never weakens. And that his primary way of wanting to work in this world is through people, you and me. But if, if you and I are caught up in our own lives or too caught up with worldly thinking or living, our perspective's gonna be off. We're gonna be missing the, the doors, the opportunities of ministry, of effectiveness that he's wanting to open and, and wanting us to step through. Again, we're not called to open the doors. He will do it. Listen to what Jesus said in Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. It says, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. There was this little meme caption thing that came up scrolling through Instagram. And the quote basically on it was like, look, if God opens the doors, why is your, ha- your hand on the handle? And, you know, I-, I think it's good for us to be reminded this morning as the people of God that God doesn't need our help. He doesn't need our help. He wants to use us, but he doesn't need our help to make those opportunities kind of manifest in front of us. Our God is a God who can open doors that no one can shut and can shut doors that no one can open. But sometimes an open door becomes a closed door because God has a different door he's wanting to open instead. And a perfect example of this is in Ephesus with Paul's time in the Jewish synagogue. At the end of Paul's second missionary journey when he had that quick stop in Ephesus, and he went into the synagogue and he began to reason there. He's preaching Jesus there. But he needed to board the next ship heading over to Jerusalem. The the Jews from the Ephesian synagogue at that time asked Paul to stay longer to preach to them. Clearly the door at that point in time had stayed open for Paul to return and to begin preaching again. So once He finally came back to Ephesus on his third missionary journey after the situation that occurred with those 12 disciples that Paul found at the beginning of chapter 19. Paul took advantage of that open door and he got back to preaching in the synagogue again. But after three months of doing that, there were some who became hardened, did not believe, began speaking evil of the Christians and their message about Jesus in a, in a public way before the multitude. 
So there's adversaries, there's opposition that began to come as he ministered in that open door there, but it became apparent to Paul that the door was closing. So he withdrew himself from preaching there. He took the disciples with him, but that doesn't mean that God didn't use that opportunity, that open door for those three months. It doesn't mean that nothing good came out of Paul's ministry there but that God was wanting to present a new door, a new opportunity to to minister beyond the synagogue to the larger population of the people of Ephesus. Yes, the door of opportunity of ministering the gospel in the synagogue closed, opposition came, but Paul saw God open a new opportunity in an unlikely place that led to an even more effective door being opened that led to all who dwelt in Asia Minor, both Jews and Greeks, hearing the word of the Lord Jesus in that two-year span of time that Paul taught God's word daily at the school of Tyrannus. You know, sometimes it's not even the adversaries, the, the opposition that keeps us from seeing and stepping into the open door. Sometimes it's the discouragement or the disillusionment or, or the frustration that we might experience because of a closed door that causes us to not see or step into other doors, other opportunities that the Lord has for us to serve and glorify Him. We have to remember that the Lord will lead us just as much through closed doors as He will through open doors. And, you know, maybe for some, the question this morning isn't stepping through an open door. It's how do I know if there's even an open door at all? How, how, I've got multiple doors. How do I know which one's the right one? Or, you know, how do I know that the Lord's in it? Well, let me tell you, no. It, it, I wish it was that simple, but really, oftentimes what it boils down to is that aspect of waiting upon the Lord, that prayerful, active waiting where we're seeking the heart of God consistently, desperately. And you might go, but I've been in that place, Jared. I've been there for like a year. I've been there for five years. I've been waiting. I'm I'm not sure what God's gonna do. I don't know how he's gonna show up or what if this thing's from him or, or what. And all I can say is that in that time of waiting, even though it can become a place of frustration and disappointment and disillusionment and discouragement, that place is a place of refinement. It's a place where God oftentimes boils us down, peels back all the stuff, all the things that need to be worked through. so that he has our full attention, so that there's nothing of self involved in the decision-making process, so to speak. But it also requires trust. You know, every open door requires faith to step through. And we would always like to know everything up front, right? We're like, God, you've 
done so, you've given so much in your word. God, you're like a full disclosure God on pretty much everything in your word, but there's these situational, real life sort of moments where I just wish you would tell me what's going to happen tomorrow and next week and next month and next year. And in this thing that I've been praying about that, Lord, would you just, just tell me how that's all supposed to look? But then you and I wouldn't be walking by faith anymore. If he told us everything that was going to happen in the next five years, you know what you and I would do? We wouldn't be depending upon him anymore. We wouldn't be seeking him like we are right now. We wouldn't be in that place of, of, of humbling ourselves before him where we're just crying out to him and in a place of, of just, Lord, you've got to show up. You've got to make it clear. I, I, Lord, I need to know what your will is or what you're doing in this situation. You and I would just truck along. We would rely upon our own strength, our own power, making our own decisions. We wouldn't be trusting in the Lord with all of our heart. We wouldn't be leaning on the Lord with all of our understanding. We wouldn't be acknowledging him in all our ways. And the only path we would be blazing is our own. If you're in that place this morning and you're wondering what's on the other side, you're wondering what door, maybe everything seems closed. Maybe it's not a, even a question of open doors. Maybe it's a, everything seems like a closed door. Wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. If God seems silent, keep seeking him. Keep waiting upon him. He will show up. He will answer. And it may not be your timing. It may not be my timing. But it will be in his perfect timing. The psalmist would often say, wait, I say, on the Lord. I've even got theme music this morning. The great and effective door was accompanied by many adversaries. This is the second thing. Not just that God opened the doors, but the second thing we learn from Paul's perspective is that while God was opening the doors, there was, there was lots of opposition. Things were difficult. And I'm so glad that Paul included that part in that verse. The adversaries, the opposition was not a sign that the Lord wasn't opening the door. It wasn't a sign that Paul was outside of the Lord's will. It wasn't a sign that he had done something wrong. No, Paul saw the opposition actually as a sign that the Lord was in it. He's like, oh, people hate me? God, you must be in this thing. People are trying to kill me? Wow, God, you've really opened the door this time, haven't you? And, but, but truthfully, 
I think for us, sometimes we come to that conclusion. We're like, oh, there's lots of difficulty. No, Lord, you're not in this. Can't be from you. It's going to be real hard. I'm going to have to die to self. I might have to make some sacrifices. I don't think you opened that door, Lord. I don't think that's from you. Whereas Paul saw these things as the Lord being in it. Some of us might think, wow, Paul, you are sick. You're a sick man. Now, we can definitely see some clear adversaries, some clear opposition that Paul faced as he stepped into those open doors the Lord gave him. A couple examples being the Jews in the synagogue who became hardened and spoke evil of the way publicly. And then the idol makers after that who stirred up the mob to come against Paul and the other believers and their message. But there were other adversaries, other sources of opposition beyond just the physical. Clearly, there was spiritual warfare seen in all the demonic activity, the demonic possession, the occult practices that the people participated in, the the temple of Diana and all the idolatry of the people The enemy no doubt using these things to try and oppress and come against Paul as he sought to serve Jesus in Ephesus. In fact, in Acts chapter 20, Paul, when he uh, visits with the Ephesian elders in the city of Miletus, he tells them, he reminds them that he was with them for three years, warning them night and day with tears, with tears. There was a heaviness present in Paul's time in Ephesus. There was a brokenheartedness that was there present in Paul's time in Ephesus that weighed upon Paul. I mean, what does it take for you and me to spend three years where night and day things are bringing us to tears? It's pretty serious. This wasn't a smooth time of ministry. The open door wasn't free of heartache. It wasn't free of heaviness. And yet Paul continued to minister. But for us, you know, we may face physical opposition, physical adversaries, but the opposition we most definitely will face is spiritual from our adversary, the devil. And we have to be prepared for that, have to know that with the open doors also comes the opposition. That spiritual opposition was significant enough that when Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 6, he spends a good chunk of that chapter seeking to equip the believers so that they can stand strong in the Lord against the wiles, the craftiness of the devil. Paul knew his audience. Paul knew because he had been there. He had been in their shoes for three years. He knew the kind of spiritual climate. He knew how heavy that spiritual warfare could be. And so he encourages them to stand strong. And those are things that you and I need to take to heart. 
But there are some other non-physical adversaries, physical opposition that we can face, things that can come against us and, and try to stop us from seeing and stepping out into those great and effective doors that the Lord wants to open to us. And that's the inward adversary, the inward opposition that can happen oftentimes in our minds, our thought life. You know, we can talk ourselves out of things before the open door ever comes. We can disqualify our own selves before we even know what the Lord might want us to do. We can let the fiery darts of the enemy start wildfires in our mind, our thoughts that keep us from really truly living for Jesus. And it's often that inner mental opposition that definitely has sort of a spiritual warfare element to it that is a greater obstacle to seeing and stepping through the doors the Lord has for us than any outward or physical adversaries we may ever face. As Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 6, we will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one by taking up the shield of faith, meaning that as we seek to walk through opportunities to live for the Lord radically, to be a part of what he's doing right now, presently, that you and I have to be able to take up that shield of faith, meaning that our trust, our faith in the Lord is to be the shield we raise to stop the lies and fear tactics of our spiritual enemy. When the enemy whispers his lies, we have to remind ourselves of God's truth, his word, his promises, who he is, what he's done, who we are in Christ. And that shield of faith needs to be raised up as we seek to live by faith and take steps of faith, trusting the Lord not only to meet us in those open doors, but also protecting us from those adversaries. Look, as Paul writes in Ephesians 2.10, we were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Clearly, God wants to use our lives. He wants to work effectively through us. He has good works that he's prepared For us, open doors he's going to place in front of us. And along with that, our spiritual enemy is going to do whatever they can to try and stop us. So we need to take up the whole armor of God to stand strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We need to gain a a spiritual perspective, an eternal kingdom-minded sort of perspective to see life differently because if our only lens of seeing life is what benefits me what's going to make me more successful what's going to help me be more comfortable what's going to you know give me a greater retirement what's going to make me happy then then you and I are living And we're being motivated by the physical and temporal world, which is all going to burn. 
It's all going to burn. It's all going to dissolve. It's those eternal things. It's those spiritual works that are going to remain. That's those things that are going to transfer into eternity are those things that are done, motivated by our love for Jesus and, and in the name of Jesus. We're called to live in the physical realm, but with the spiritual and eternal perspective. And it can be hard because oftentimes those things seem to be in conflict. What I feel like I need is oftentimes stuff that doesn't really mean anything. It's not really benefiting my life. Not really benefiting anyone else's life. It's more just selfish things. But guys, when you and I can learn to grab a hold of how the kingdom of God is advancing, that, that, that the gospel of Jesus is to be going out, that, that people's souls are, are, are on the line. And that you and I are those instruments in the hands of God that he's wanting to use. We can approach our day-to-day living in a way where, you know what? We stop getting bogged down by stuff that just doesn't matter. And we can start to fix our eyes on the things that do matter. Listen, not only does God have power for us to stand and withstand the enemy, he has power and grace for us to see and step into those great and effective doors of ministry that he's already opened and will open in the future, giving us what we need to do whatever it is he wants us to do for his kingdom and glory. I want to close with a quote from Warren Wiersbe about this verse in 1 Corinthians 16. He said, Paul was neither an optimist nor a pessimist. He was a realist. He saw both the opportunities and the obstacles. God had opened a great door for effective work and Paul wanted to seize the opportunities while they were still there. The stewardship of opportunity is important. The individual believer, he says, and the church family must constantly ask, what opportunities is God giving us today? Instead of complaining about the obstacles, we must take advantage of the opportunities and leave the results with the Lord. Guys, we are stewards, each one of us. A steward is a household manager. That means that the steward is not the owner. Not the owner. He's, he's the one who's taking care of the owner's stuff. And you and I have been given a stewardship of our time. We've been given stewardship of 
opportunities. We've been given stewardship of relationships. We've been given stewardship of resources and finances. We've been given stewardship of responsibilities that the Lord has put before us. Stewardship of spiritual gifts that the Lord has put in our lives. We're not the owner of those things, but you and I are given a responsibility to take care of what the owner has entrusted to us, and that owner is the Lord. We've got a stewardship of opportunities that we need to be mindful of today. To see what God is doing, to even pray those sorts of prayers. Lord, help me to see Help me to see what you're doing. Help me to see how you're moving. Help me to see how you're wanting to work in my life and through my life. Lord, help me to see what you're doing in the lives of other people that maybe I could come alongside and strengthen. Lord, help me to see beyond the obstacles, to see beyond the discouragement, to see beyond the frustration even that maybe exists in my own mind. And to be able to press through those things. Pressing into Jesus. Knowing that he'll meet us in that place. As I said earlier, I, I really prayed that we would be encouraged and strengthened and equipped by Paul's perspective. That his perspective would impact and influence influence our perspective on our present circumstances on where God has us right now and who he's placed around and in front of us what he's going to do in the future but I think those two major elements are things that you and I will see present in our lives even right now too open doors and adversaries may we have open eyes to see the open doors, to see how God is moving and working and that we would get on board with those things. I'm gonna have the worship team come back up. Guys, in in closing, as I said earlier, with the dark spiritual climate we find ourselves surrounded with today, we need to have an eternal heavenly kingdom sort of perspective as we walk through this life so we could see beyond the physical and temporal we can see beyond the adversaries and opposition and see the open doors and the work that god wants us to join him in in spite of the difficulty and opposition that we might face but you know maybe today for some your perspective has gotten out of alignment because of opposition or discouragement or a seeming lack of success in seeking to minister to others. Or maybe your perspective has gotten out of alignment because you're caught up with your own life, your own stuff or on the world around you. Or maybe you've just been striving in your own efforts to make things happen and stuff's grown difficult because It wasn't the Lord who opened the door. Maybe it was you. I would encourage you, if you're in any of those places, to come back to that place of simplicity 
at the feet of Jesus this morning and let him realign your perspective and your priorities. You know, maybe for others, you're just in need of some encouragement today, encouragement to keep going and not give up in spite of the difficulty and opposition that you have in front of you. Or maybe you've blown it in some area and you've repented, but you're feeling unusable. I encourage you, get back up. Keep loving Jesus. Keep living for Jesus. He's not done with you. But maybe that open door for someone today is just the Lord giving an opportunity to repent, to, re- to recommit, maybe even to receive Jesus for the first time. Wherever we're at, the Lord wants to meet us this morning. Would you guys pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that, Lord, you want to use us. Lord, we're thankful that, God, you didn't give up on this world because of all the rebellion, but, Lord, that you sent your Son to bring salvation to humanity. And Lord, now you use us as your ambassadors to bring that message of reconciliation to a world that's been separated from from you by sin. And Lord, this morning, you're wanting us to have the right kind of perspective on this life. Lord, I pray that this morning we're, we're equipped, we're encouraged, Lord, we're challenged even, Lord, by the perspective of the Apostle Paul. That, Lord, the opposition and the trial and the troubles and the difficulty, Lord, it wouldn't, Lord, overshadow the open doors. But that, Lord, in spite of those things, Lord, we would, by faith, Lord, step into those things. Lord, not shy away, but Lord, press into you. Lord, find all we need in you, Lord God. And Lord, we pray for your protection. There's a spiritual battle being waged all around us all the time that we can be completely oblivious to. But Lord, would you put your armor upon us? Lord, would you cause us to stand in your strength and your power against the tactics of the enemy? Lord, help us to know how to raise that shield of faith, Lord, to quench the fiery darts that the enemy's always wanting to place in our minds, to get us all tripped up and trapped and worked up God, we need you. We need your grace, Lord. We need your strength. We need your power. Lord, we need you to help us to live supernatural lives, not natural lives, Lord. That's our default. But lives that are empowered and motivated by the Spirit of God. So Lord Jesus, would you lead us? Lord, for those who have 
doors that they're praying about, Lord. Maybe they're closed or open. Lord, would you give wisdom? Would you give grace? Lord, would you give your peace, Lord, for those that are in a waiting pattern and all the doors just seem closed? Lord, would you help them to wait well, to wait upon you, Lord, to seek you with their whole hearts, Lord. And in that place, God, would you refine? Would you strengthen? And God, would you speak so clearly? Lord, would you give direction? God, uphold your people today by your righteous right hand. God, that we would be a people, Lord, who, God, don't back down when faced with opposition and difficulty, but Lord, that we keep moving forward, being about you and your kingdom. And maybe some today, as I said already, maybe some, you know, your perspective has just gotten out of alignment. You know, maybe it's just because of life or maybe because of some sin that you've allowed to come in and, you know, your priorities have shifted. And this morning, the Lord's reminding you, look, like stuff's off. I just encourage you in your own heart to confess those things to the Lord, to repent of those things, to ask him this morning, Lord, realign my perspective, realign my priorities. Lord, lead me, direct me. Lord, empower me. Help me to see what you're doing and to step into those things that you're putting before me. Maybe for some this morning, you just... First, just need a relationship with Jesus. You need to have your sins forgiven. The only door he's wanting you to step into is the door of salvation. And if that's you this morning, I'd love to pray for you. Would you stand where you're at if that's anybody today that you're going, look, that's me. I need to be forgiven. I need to be saved. Lord, this morning, we just thank you. And as we head into this Thanksgiving week, Lord, as many of us are gonna be around people that may, we may or may not see very regularly, Lord, they may or may not be saved. Lord, we pray that God, you would help us to clearly see, Lord, those opportunities, Lord, those open doors. And God, there may be opposition. There, there may be many adversaries, but Lord, help us to cling to you and to move forward by faith into those things, God. Make much of Jesus Christ in every open door, every opportunity, Lord, that you give us. Lord, would you use us this week to point others to you, Lord, to tell others about you, Lord, to testify of what you've done in our lives and Lord, would we see this week, Lord, those who are lost find salvation in Jesus Christ. Lord, be glorified. And as we sing these songs of praise, Lord, as we partake of the communion elements, Lord, would we truly commune with you? Lord, would we worship you, Lord, for who you are, giving you all the praise and honor that's due to your name. And we thank you, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I just encourage you guys to, if you have, you know, maybe this week, maybe for you, it's like, 
there's people I'm going to see and I've shared the Lord with them and they've been, been resistant. Or maybe, you know, you're like, I, I've been reluctant in the past to share Jesus with this person or these people. I encourage you, if that's you and you have those people in your mind even now, to not leave this place without being able to pray for those specific opportunities, those specific people and relationships. And so what I would love to do even during these last few songs is maybe just have a few people uh, stand who can pray with those who would love to pray. I'd love to have uh, my wife stand. I'd love to have Bob and Diana stand and Josh and Jared stand. And just if you guys would just be willing, if, if others of you are going, look, I've got people this week. I'm going to I know there's going to be some sort of an open door, but I want to step through it. I want to make much of Jesus. I'd encourage you, go to where these people are standing and, and, and ask to pray for those people. Pray for people by name this morning. And let's see what the Lord does this coming week. Amen.